3: That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. Another day, another bunch of news that we have to talk about and analyze. And uh, it's no different with respect to this new tape that came out uh, for Donald Trump um, that uh, was leaked by Jack Smith. I mean, you know, what kind of operation are they running over there at the FBI? Of course, you know, the same FBI is dressing up like white supremacists and trying to infiltrate Patriot groups. They did that over the weekend, but, you know, it's the same FBI that forged the Russian hoax that's now been debunked by the Durham report, which kind of missed a lot. And uh, there's a lot of talk about that, about why Durham didn't get the subpoenas for Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Bill Priestap. You know, basically, didn't ask any serious, tough questions. And then we got this fake news, mainstream media. It's just not real. It's not real news, and we're we're battling with this whole thing. It's a it's a culture war. It's a war. It's an info war. It's a war of disinformation. It's a psyop war. It's a grooming and. Uh, all of these different things that are happening, you know, like what we we're talking about, Aaron Russo a couple weeks back. This Aaron Russo was telling the story about Nicholas Rockefeller saying, "Hey, you know why the women's lo- women's movement happened? It's like to double the tax base and to get your kids in school earlier. Kindergarten comes from Nazi Germany. Kinder, so the earlier you can get the kids into school, the more you can indoctrinate." the children, touch the future of our country, change the future of your country or our country. And that is a scary proposition when you think about the Department of Education. And it's perhaps the chief reason why we need to get rid of, uh, I think, a lot of these institutions that have, to, to hear Jim Jordan put it, weaponized, uh, they've become weaponized. And the master of weaponizing government against its own people was perhaps Obama, right? Um, and I think that he was the man that really brazenly and blatantly weaponized the wheels of government, whether it's Lois Lerner and the IRS targeting tea group, Tea Party groups. In 2012, in the lead-up to the 2012 Mitt Romney-Obama re-election. Uh, re- um, but there was so much more. And we started to see the the media really just unravel. But, you know, it was Trump that really created the derangement syndrome. And we're going to show a couple of uh, cases and illustrate uh, all of this uh, to remind ourselves of how corrupt our government is. I mean, America right now is not a serious country. Like I say, when I was over in France, I noticed glaring cultural differences. I went all over France and I never saw one Black Lives Matter flag. I didn't see one rainbow flag waving anywhere. I didn't see a lot of homosexuality, if any, at all. Um, I didn't see any of this nonsense. In fact, in the hotel itself... to, To just give you an idea about culture, in the hotel itself, there were two chairs around the table. And one chair was bigger than the other chair. And what it suggested to me, and this was my interpretation of why they did it that way, is because they fully expect that if you're going to have a hotel room, you're not going to be two dudes or two women. You're going to be a man and a woman, and typically a man is larger than a woman, traditionally. And so you have these two chairs, one for a feminine, more feminine than the other one, in a sense. That's a cultural difference right there, something I noticed. But none of this, you know, there's a lot of French pride, French, French flags everywhere. And they might be socialist, but it's a different kind of socialist. They they have evolved and developed their own brand of socialism, but they're not woke. Just like Sweden is probably more socialist than than America, right? But what what's happening in America is this woke psyop nonsense. Just you know, and it's sinister. People are losing their breasts, their genitals, their their lives, to the disgusting— and I don't understand the thought, you know, how you can be so gullible as to believe the liberal messaging that says equity is better than equality or, you know, they they can't see themselves as being exploited as a weaponized group to fundraise for political uh, purposes. They're being used like planned— you know, slaves on a plantation, and they they're okay with it. But this whole thing is just you know Sweden. They're now moving away from uh, from green energy. They're moving away from green energy, and they're going with they're building nuclear plants now. And nuclear is the way to go if you can make sure you. Never make a mistake, nuclear is not a bad choice because it's the most efficient way to produce energy. But there's another thing that's happening, and I was spent some time yesterday studying this. Um, Have you ever heard of e-fuels? And how about hydrogen vehicles? So Porsche is coming out with this new technology that's established in Uruguay. And it's called e-fuels where they're actually sucking the air and they're getting the CO2 and hydrogen out of the air, cleaning it and refining it into fuel, which means that you could have clean fuel, sort of like clean gas, clean gas, natural gas, which was the natural gas was the ingredient. This clean, new natural grass was the reason why America was outperforming uh, most other first world developed nations with regard to climate uh, initiatives, reaching their climate goals, is because natural gas was so clean. And electric is not necessarily clean when you have to mine for the nickel and and the cobalt and, and dig for the coal. And the coal fire plants in China are like 4,000% increase because they're the ones now benefiting from all the mistakes that the, the, the West is making. We are no longer going to be independent nations. The G7 is going to depend on BRICS for manufacturing, and BRICS is going to depend on G7 for innovation and development and research and development and patents. And consumption. And that's the way it is. And there's going to be this constant dependency. I don't see how that works out well. Because, you know, it's always been the case that when OPEC was controlling oil more so than they are today, they would, um, you know, dictate to the world exactly what the oil prices were going to be, and they would get rich from it. The redistribution of wealth, that was sort of unfair. You know, anytime you have uh, this wealth gap, which we've seen in every liberal city, uh, I was watching a YouTube video yesterday um, about San Francisco becoming a ghost town. There's a lot of talk about that. And again, San Francisco, I think it was—I think the Golden Gate Bridge was built in the 1930s. And so what? What were we talking about? Like less than a hundred years, it went from a city on the rise. A city like San Francisco that was being built up, you know, from the 1920s and 30s and 40s and 50s. And then the 60s got a hold. And you got these hippies making the city really radically left. And it didn't take but, what, 50 years for them to destroy that city and bring it and practically burn it to the ground. There are empty shops everywhere from street to street to street. They, they had. I watched two videos yesterday of people walking down some of the most main streets. And it's because of this defenseless crime. I mean, no one wants to crack down on crime. It's because of the drugs. It's because of the homelessness. It's because of the wealth gap. And that's Nancy Pelosi country. She doesn't care. She's still living high on a hog up on the hill with her... Two zero freezers and and her fancy ice cream, and then also in the last twelve hours, you know, Putin made a big statement. We're going to listen to some of that here in just a second. So there's been a lot of uh, stuff going on, and a lot of the misinformation. The coup failed. Russia's not going anywhere. Their relationship with Lichenko and Belarus is, you know, that's the Belarus leader, is stronger than ever, stronger than oak, and and uh, Wagner, the Wagner group is weaker than it's uh, ever been. It's going, to, it's going to be isolated. So, you know, it's just interesting, but we're going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and play some of these things. Um. But I'm going to first read this. It says, Putin, in a national address, thanks Russians for patriotism during Wagner revolt. I like patriotism. And I like a president that thanks their taxpaying citizens for their patriotism and loyalty. That's something you'll never hear from a Biden. Putin thanked Belarus leader Lukashenko for his mediation work and stressed that patriotism and solidarity played a key role in overcoming Russia's most difficult test. All right. Fair enough. Putin says Russia's united and says organizers of the Wagner Rebellion betrayed the people. Nobody likes betrayal. Nobody likes the Biden crime family who sold America down the river for personal profit. The Wagner Group, though, also has a huge impact and a role to play in Africa. And the Daily Wire came out with a story that said Russia's Wagner Group in Africa more than mercenaries. Russia, President Vladimir Putin has called the recent actions of the Wagner Group and its leader, Prigozin, Prigozin a betrayal that will be punished. I'm sure it will be. So Wagner Group in Africa, more than mercenaries, the power struggle between Putin and the Wagner leaders could have huge implications in Africa. Wagner troops are active in several African countries, including Mali and Burkina Faso, but also in Sudan in general. Um, So it's, it's a big deal. So, Putin delivered his first speech since the Wagner Rebellion, and here are some of the quotes and key points. We took all measures to neutralize dangers. one of the quotes, we would have destroyed the armed coup in any case. The, organized, the organizers of the coup betrayed the homeland and the people. Wagner fighters were also patriots and liberated land that belonged to the homeland And one of them tried to use them in a dark operation. Wagner operatives can sign contracts with the Ministry of Defense or go to Belarus. There were extortions and attempts to arrange internal unrest, but they were doomed to failure. You know, a lot of people think that the guy was just bought out and the CIA was also involved. The State Department, as usual, screwed up. You know, they don't know what they're doing. They're being played like fiddles. And, you know, for weeks, our CIA was meddling in that conflict because they want nothing more than to overthrow Vladimir Putin. And a lot of people with half a brain would ask, how did that work out in Libya when they overthrew Gaddafi? Or how's that working out in Iraq when they, you know, took down Saddam Hussein? How's that working out in Egypt when they... Uh, you know, now they have another leader. But um, when they overthrew Mubarak and, and tried to replace him with Morsi, you know, the State Department needs to stay out of business. I mean, people like uh, Victoria Newland are stupid human beings. Michael Carpenter, Joe Biden's intelligence guy, or Jake Sullivan, uh, who is basically uh, Obama's foreign policy guy, expert. And they're all in the Biden administration right now just screwing things up. I mean, really messing stuff up. They don't know what they're doing. They're complete academics. They're hacks. And they don't know what they're doing because they're not leaders. They don't have any common sense. They're driven by their political ideologies. And it's sad to see we're going to go ahead and take a listen to some of these short clips. Um, let's take a listen to this.
4: Well, the organizers of this mutiny, having betrayed their country, their people, they betrayed those who they've involved in their crime. They lied to them. They pushed them towards death, towards fire. They tried to make them shoot at their own people. And this is what um, what the enemies of Russia wanted to achieve. Brother killing brother. Both Minunatis in Kiev, their western masters and various national traitors, they wanted Russia soldiers to kill each other, they wanted servicemen to die, they wanted peaceful residents to die, they wanted Russia to lose, they wanted our society to split and drown in a bloody interior stra- internal strife. They rubbed their hands, they dreamed of uh, exacting revenge for their own failures on the front line during the so-called counter-offensive. But they were wrong. I thank our servicemen, I thank our security agencies, special services, secret services, who were were tried to stop the mutineers, who stayed loyal to their oath, to their people uh, bravery and selfless sacrifice of our of our pilots who died
3: uh, and
4: who saved Russia from the tragically destructive consequences
3: right and so uh, you know Putin Putin uh, both neo-nazis in Kiev their Western masters you know there's a bunch of neo-nazis Nazis in Ukraine I mean we know what this war is about. This, is, this war is about laundering. This war is about cleaning up all the corruption. This war is about camouflaging everything. This war is about exploitation, selling weapons on the black market, um, and getting the last silver dollar out of that corrupt cesspool um, of Nazism. It's insane that America has allowed itself to get so involved in that. Uh, You know, it's worth mentioning that Russia never went into Ukraine during the Trump years, but they did go into Crimea under the Obama years, and they did go into Ukraine under the Biden years. And you wonder why that is. It's because Putin knows what he can get away with. And he knows that it's, it's sort of almost a win-win. He's going to get what he wants in the end. And there's going to be a lot of politicians that are going to exploit the heck out of this. But nobody was willing to actually take that bet when Trump was in power because Trump wouldn't have let it happen. And that's why the deal couldn't have happened. So here's why Jack Smith leaked audio of Trump talking to CNN. Again, this is, this is a felony crime that Jack Smith engaged in. This is the prosecutor for the Mar-a-Lago raid and the espionage uh, deal that's going against Trump. And then we're going to listen to this leak tape. Uh, we're going to listen to it. But this stuff is really so silly and lawfare is so entirely predictable it is difficult to re- remain serious when discussing it. This also this is also why serious litigation expert Eric Dubl- Dublier was so funny in his Concord case briefings against the DOJ and their insufferable lawfare efforts. CNN gets a leak audio leaked of audio from Jack Smith presumably presenting audio of President Trump talking in Bedminster, New Jersey about the background of Joint Chiefs Chairman Mark Milley lying about Trump wanting to invade Iran. Essentially, Trump refutes Milley and has papers to back up his side of the story. So we're going to listen to this in a second, but CNN claims this audio will be the central focus of the case against President Trump that eventually all jurors in this case will hear at this point my laughter. I'm reading this from uh, Last Refuge in Conservative Treehouse. So when I talk about it like it says in the first person, it's really a quote. It's almost unbearable for a multitude of reasons. Remember, this is a lawfare operation, which is constructed for one primary purpose, influencing the public. Putting aside the fact that CNN and the entire media apparatus already reporting on the nonsense before and putting aside, you know, CNN was also the one that got tipped off for the uh, Roger Stone raid. And it's just absolutely a, a shill for the liberal Democrat Party. The documents that are claimed to be heard in the audio are nowhere to be found. That's right. The DOJ and FBI never found any classified or super secret documents as described in the audio. As a result, the audio represents nothing, a literal nothing burger, because without the documents, the audio is inadmissible. So you cannot submit evidence in court of a person talking about documents without the documents the audio is supposedly talking about. So, like, for example, Trump could have actually uh, had these people that were, I think, in the room because he was putting together a book. And he could have had uh, some, some pages written up of, like, notes just for himself, thoughts. And said, look, you know, and then maybe sold them to the reporter or the person that's helping to write this book and sort of just put it out there as as uh his own thoughts, maybe selling it as more than it actually is. But you're only gonna get charged on what it actually is. And right now they actually have nothing. That's the that's the interesting little tidbit there. So, uh, again, let's take a listen to Stephen Miller on this.
5: We've seen this for seven long years, Sean, where the federal government, when it is persecuting, when it is going after, when it is trying to frame President Trump, they selectively leak in order to manipulate news stories, to try to poison the narrative, to try to create a false impression, and they've been doing this over and over and over and over again. Because the security state is very skilled at psychological warfare. They're skilled at the art and artistry that's often deployed in foreign countries of how to control the narrative in our country. My message to the American people is don't. Fall for it. We have been watching them try to play us year after year after year, going all the way back to the Russia hoax. Then, of course, remember the Ukraine hoax. Remember in the election year, remember the Russian bounty story where Trump was letting Russia get away with putting bounties on our troops. Then it comes out later, that was a fake story. And, of course, we remember what they did to suppress the Hunter Biden story. And now what they are doing and have been doing to shield Joe Biden from accountability for his influence peddling with his son Hunter.
0: So, looking at the Bible.
3: Kaboom, right? Um, and then Donald Trump weighed in on his truth. So, Trump leaked indictment audio. The deranged special prosecutor Jack Smith, working in conjunction with the DOJ and FBI, illegally leaked and spun a tape and transcript of me, which is actually an exoneration rather than what they would have. You would have you believe this continuing witch hunt is another election interference scam they are cheaters and thugs so that's donald Trump's point there the espionage act has never been prosecuted in the history of America since it began in nineteen seventeen so let's take uh well so that's not the history of America but that's Well, yeah, actually, also in the history of America. But the act only, uh, I I think, was established in 1917. Uh, Let's take a listen to this uh, Mark Levin exchange. Not that I'm a big fan, but this is is a uh, pretty good exchange here.
1: Can you tell me any other former president who's been charged under the Espionage Act since 1917? Do you have one?
0: it's never happened before and this is a controversial act to begin with a lot of free speech advocates think it's it's unconstitutionally overbroad as written certainly as it's being applied to president trump here uh there are real legal issues with the way that they've brought this case Uh, jack smith the special counsel wants america to think this is a very simple open and shut case they found documents at mar-a-lago and therefore president trump is guilty but anyone with a passing familiarity with the law here knows that that's just not the case. And that's why it's so important that we uh, we fight back against the dominant mainstream narrative here.
1: Why is it the case?
0: So under the Presidential Records Act, when a president leaves office, he has the right to determine which of his records are presidential records, official documents, that sort of thing. Uh, and which are personal records, items of a personal nature, diaries, journals, memorabilia, Uh, Items that are are of personal importance, not official importance. Uh, That determination by the president, courts have said, is essentially unreviewable. Now, in order to prove an Espionage Act count, it's not enough for them to show that President Trump had some documents. They have to show that President Trump knew that he wasn't supposed to have those documents. They have to show that he knew that those documents were a particular uh, type of documents called national defense information. They have to show that he then willfully failed to turn those documents over to a government official that he knew had the right to receive them. So when you take all of that put together, this case is really more about President Trump's state of mind than anything else. And I think that when you look at the president's responsibilities, duties, and rights under the Presidential Records Act, it's going to be very difficult, if not impossible, for Jack Smith to prove that President Trump had documents he knew he wasn't supposed to have, and that he then willfully failed to turn those documents over to an official he knew he had to turn them over to.
1: And he has publicly said over and over again, I've declassified this. And your point is, it doesn't matter if he did or didn't. He thought he did as as a president. Or he has said over and over and over again, "Um, that information, I believe, belongs to me. So if you have someone who goes on on TV... Obviously, this information didn't belong to him. It was classified. Your point is that's not enough. It's what's in the president's thinking. It's his state of mind. It's his intent. Not what the prosecution and some talk show guys think. He had to say, now what about this attorney-client privilege issue? Everybody out there knows what this is. You hire an attorney on a contract case, not even a criminal case. You have to be able to consult that attorney and ask them whatever questions you want. And by asking them whatever questions you want, it doesn't mean you're luring them into some kind of criminal scheme. Explain.
0: Yeah. So under American law, the attorney-client privilege is one of the most crucial guarantees given to a defendant. The right of a defendant to consult with his attorney, uh, to develop legal strategy with his, with his attorney, uh, to ask his attorney what he is and isn't allowed to do. Uh, Jack Smith has taken those sorts of conversations between President Trump and a former lawyer of his named Evan Corcoran, uh, and they've said that the questions President Trump was asking uh, amounted to his enlisting that lawyer in some kind of a criminal conspiracy. Uh, Relying on that argument, they've then used conversations between President Trump and his lawyer that would otherwise be privileged, and that underlies a lot of this indictment. Without that information, Uh, big chunks, if not all of this indictment, uh, will probably end up being dismissed. Uh, So they've run roughshod over attorney-client privilege. They've intruded on conversations that I believe they didn't have a right to intrude on. And that's really at the heart of this case here.
1: Which is why he wants a rush job when it comes to a trial as fast as he can. He doesn't want these issues challenged and so forth. He just wants to uh, have the whole field to himself. And I notice also, just quickly here, Will, they're basically trying to intimidate the federal judge. The federal judge was appointed by Donald Trump. And so you have articles that she has very limited criminal background experience, uh, that she screwed up on the uh, special master appointment issue, uh, that she's in Trump camp and Trump got a favorable appointment. So they're trying to influence the outcome of her decisions on motions and other things so she can get straight with the left, the media, and these uh, anti-Trumpers, No
0: yeah instead of letting this case play out in court as a normal case would jack smith and his team are playing to the peanut gallery they're playing to the mainstream media they're trying to make arguments in front of the mainstream media that this judge who by the way was a former federal prosecutor herself uh, really in an, an eminent legal mind uh, they're trying to say that she's somehow biased or somehow not up to taking this case and the reason for that mark is that they are terrified of litigating some of the very serious legal flaws in the case that they've strung together against President Trump.
1: Yes or no, because I'm out of time here. These documents that are in question, that are cited by the prosecution, the defense has a right to see every one of these documents. We have not secret trials, but public trials. And to see every one of these documents in public, in the courtroom... With the press there and with all the rest of us looking over their shoulders yes or no
0: absolutely the the jury has a right to see all of these for for these documents not to be made public would be highly highly irregular uh, we're going to get to to watch this case unfold in public and I think that's what the special counsel's scared of
3: this is going to be great for Donald Trump especially when he wins and even if he didn't win he'd be a martyr so he does, he doesn't He's going to win. He's got a winning ticket out of this. He's got a winning path out of this. Either way, this thing goes down. But there's also this other thing that I uh, heard about, and that is that a president gets at least five years to work with NARA, you know, the archives office, um, to to go through these documents at least five years. They get a five-year window. To do that, and not only that, but the president, you know, has that privilege of declaring something, just deeming it, just by his mental state, whether something's classified or not classified. But a vice president doesn't get to do that. Neither does a former secretary of state. So, how do you square that then with not only Barack Obama with his records all over the place, but but Senator Biden and Vice President Biden? with secret documents at the University of Delaware, at the Biden Center in Penn, in his garage with his Corvette, you know, with his crack sex addict son. Um, all of that is just, you know, part of it. All right, so let's take a, you know, that I thought was a pretty good exchange to hear. Let's take a listen to the FBI, the corrupt FBI now. This is about the $5 million in bribes From a foreign nation. Let's take a listen to this Josh Hawley clip.
2: Now we've confirmed that the document exists. That's progress because the FBI director initially denied that it exists. Why did he do that? We we have
6: already and previously acknowledged the existence
2: of the documents. Yeah, after you first denied it. Now, when a member of this committee read it, let's just get the record straight. The FBI director initially said it doesn't exist. Then Senator Grassley said, "I've read it." Then he said, "Oh, okay. Well, gotcha." I guess it does exist. Now you're going back and forth with members of this committee what's in it. Why don't you just release it? Is it classified?
6: The document is not classified.
2: Okay. Will you commit to releasing it? And we will work with you and this committee. How about just a yes or no? Will you commit to releasing this unclassified document that alleges that the president of the United States has taken $5 million or more in bribes from a foreign nation? The document, as you know,
6: contains sensitive information that has bearing on the the life of the source of the information, potentially. You can redact the source's name. We do this all the time. That is not sufficient to protect people. And that's what we strive and work to do each and every day. And I hope you would take that seriously too.
2: Oh, I take it very seriously, but I also take seriously the fact that your institution has repeatedly abused its authority, has repeatedly targeted political opponents. Your institution is the one that went to the door of pro-life protesters with SWAT teams to try and intimidate people because of their speech. Your institution is the one that treated parents as domestic terrorists because of their speech. Your institution is the one that, according to the court, the FISA court, ran 278,000 unwarranted, probably illegal queries on Americans, right? That was your institution, correct?
6: With respect to the compliance incidents, yes. Some of the other things you cited,
2: we can take them one by one. You would characterize the unlawful querying 278,000 times of American citizens as compliance issues? We've said before, I've said that the totally unacceptable. Who's been
6: fired for it? Individuals involved uh, are handled through the disciplinary process. Who's been
2: fired for it?
6: In the case of... The uh, unintentional instance where something similar happened, and we have fired people in the past.
2: Wait, I, I'm sorry, what, what, what does that word salad mean? The unintentional instance where something, what, what does that mean? Who's been fired for the 278,000 times that you improperly or illegally queried the database for American citizens?
6: When we find intentional incidents.
2: Well, you're saying that the 278,000 queries were unintentional? I believe that's correct. Wow. 278,000 times American citizens' information was queried by your agency unintentionally? That's your testimony? The vast majority. Well, of Wait, the- that's different. You just said it was. You just said it was unintentional. Now it's the vast majority. Which is it? Do you know? Likely all are were unintentional. Likely in, all. So first nature. it was all of them. Then it was vast majority. Now it's likely all. So you don't know is the answer to the question. Who was fired for your institution deliberately lying to a FISA court to get a wiretap on an ongoing presidential campaign? There
6: is an ongoing disciplinary process with respect to individuals involved in that.
2: Multiple courts have uncovered extraordinary abuses perpetrated by your agency you are at the same time concealing information about serious allegations made against the president of the united states even as your institution also targets his chief political opponent in an unprecedented way why would we ever give you the blank check that you want to continue surveilling american citizens in an improper manner why would we ever do that
3: (laughs) that's so great right that just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy All right, so Jack Smith uh, is not only attempting to keep the case under seal from the American people, but impose absurd restrictions on the former president, um, President Trump, and Walt Nauta as to how evidence can be viewed. Cannon denies Smith's demand to prevent Trump and Nauta to communicate with at least 84 witnesses. So... Um you know, Cannon is the judge. Uh Judge Eileen Cannon, C A N N O N and how you spell her first name, it's A I L E E N. So it's Judge Eileen Cannon in the classified docs case. Her first smackdown of special counsel Jack Smith, paperless order denying without prejudice governments. Motion to implement special condition of release. The government seeks an order and it was denied. So, you know, that's uh, basically they're trying to have it both ways. They want to leak stuff to the press, to CNN, but then they want to prevent Trump from actually having a voice. Didn't they do that with the Adam Schiff special, uh, the the impeachment trial, uh, witch hunt hoax? Where, you know, uh, Adam Schiff buried all the information and put it under seal in the basement of the House and nobody could know what he was doing. And then he was just leaking it out to the press and not allowing Trump's side to even have a voice. Wow. So, Brady McCarthy says House will start impeachment inquiries on Biden's Attorney General Merrick Garland, if whistleblower info is true. And if it comes true, what the IRS whistleblower is saying, we're going to start impeachment inquiries on the Attorney General. Boom. Kaboom. So it says, House will begin impeachment inquiry into AG by July 6th based on new bombshell IRS whistleblower allegations. And if it comes true... What the IRS whistleblower is saying, we're going to start impeachment inquiries on the Attorney General. Wow. Let's take a listen. Spring into Adventure
5: sales event all month long at Team Automotive Group. Invoice pricing for everyone, plus additional savings for first... Uh,
3: that, uh, that is 30 seconds long. That's uh, the rumble. That's why I use YouTube, because, uh, because what I have with YouTube is uh, the premium um, content. uh, Contract with them, so there's no commercials when we run these uh, clips. Sorry about that. Um, I would have liked to have listened to what McCarthy had to say, but that's not going to work. All right, so we got a bunch of wackadoodles on the left, and we're going to get into some of this stuff. Elon Musk parody account actually says, "We're here, we're queer." We're coming for your children uh, is a pride rally. Listen, listen to this first clip. We're here. We're queer. We're coming from you. I, I can't believe this is on full and open display. This freak show. And we have the health and human services person that's in charge. Uh, is saying no longer does she want a, or does he want, I should say, this is Admiral Levine, this trans HHS from Pennsylvania, that's now the assistant secretary, says, Happy Pride Month, and actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy summer of pride. A day wasn't enough, a week wasn't enough. Now a month isn't enough either their cultural conquest knows no bounds. Let's take a listen. Hello,
1: my name is Admiral Rachel Levine,
3: and I have the honor of being the Assistant Secretary for Health at the United States
1: Department of Health and Human Services. Happy Pride. Happy Pride Month. And actually, let's declare it a summer of pride. Happy Summer of Pride. Hello. It's my-
3: Just total BS. Again, like I say, I was over in France. As liberal as the, those countries can be, they have a whole different relationship with their government. They pay high taxes, but they expect and demand a serious government to deliver serious services. And frankly, they get what they they pay for. Uh, in a lot of ways, they get fair and free elections. They get election results immediately after the election night is over, and there's none of this. Um, they, they use paper ballots. There's no. There's no. Uh, pride flags or anything like that, all you see are French flags at the top of every single building. They're a serious country. And, yeah, they might have their protests over retirement age or, you know, uh, health care issues and stuff like that, just like any other country. And they're, they're a protest-oriented country because they demand and expect a certain level of service for which they pay into the tax base, they expect a return on their investment. And in America, it's not like that at all. It's where they're taking conservative tax dollars and financing stupid, ridiculous flags and putting it on the White House building, right? That trans flag. And... Surrounding it with two American flags, which is like completely, insanely ridiculous. People are laughing at America. America is not a serious country. And one needs to check your friends who happen to be liberals and vote for this nonsense. They're not making an effort. They're not trying to understand what the heck is going on. Because this is is an agenda. This is a cultural warfare. This is a psyop. This is all the things that are wrong with with the uh, liberal politics. You compare uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. to Joe Biden. There's no comparison. One is a serious liberal. And I have respect for that. I may not agree with Robert Kennedy on much. I agree with him on his position with vaccines and his anti-globalist position. But uh, there's probably, you know, I don't know in great detail all of his stances on all of the issues. But I can tell you this, that he is not bought and sold by BlackRock, State Street, Vanguard. And he doesn't endorse this nonsense that we're seeing with all this tranny stuff and LGBTQ, whatever, you know, there's a great comedy piece that uh, I should share one day. That's just so funny on how out of whack it is. But you take a liberal like this um, when asked a question, you know, you get a, you get a, uh, you get a this woman here. Let's take a listen.
7: The election was tomorrow. Who would you vote for? Trump. Well, not, not Trump. Not Trump. Not ever. Not ever. Ever Trump. Why? The, I mean, I don't even think there's any reason why I should ask answer that seriously.
0: Can I have one, like one reason? I'm just curious.
7: He has been a liar. He has been all about himself. Everything, everything he's done, he's ruined this country. He's been a cancer, in my opinion, for this country. How though? All the st- what? You,
3: do you ever watch the news or no? <laughs> you know, she can't answer it. Name one thing. Opportunity zones. You know, you can't. You can't name one thing. What? What could she possibly be talking about, right? But they just get into this groupthink, and they're not trying for America. They're not trying. All right. Well. Uh, <laughs> here's another uh, simple simpleton this is kind of funny let's take a listen to this what's the difference between a feminist and a knife you're a feminist yeah what is the difference between a feminist and a knife so what sort of a comparison is that i don't understand try to answer yeah at least a knife has a point <laughs> yep Yeah, this identity politics has no point. That's the point. That's the point of that joke, right? Uh, But, you know, there's a lot of winning going on from the conservative movement. Take a listen to what these middle school students did rejecting Pride Month. Fantastic, fantastic.
7: So at a middle school in Massachusetts, the entire school was just told to come to school wearing rainbow colored clothes to celebrate pride, have pride celebrations all throughout this Massachusetts public school. But instead, a group of Gen Z Middle school students decided to clap back to their principal and their school board by instead showing up to school wearing red, white and blue, walking the halls, chanting my pronouns are USA and taking down the pride decor because they are not going to stand for the indoctrination of the left's narrative inside their public school classrooms. What do you guys think?
3: Love it. Uh, We need more of it. And uh, that's great that those kids did that. And I think that there is a shift, a title shift that's starting to happen. So this this Dr. Miriam Grossman makes such a great point. She's uh, in a committee hearing, and this is what she had to say.
7: My name is Miriam Grossman. I'm a board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist, author, and senior fellow at Do No Harm. I have been taking care of patients for 45 years. I'm going to use my time to respond to Dr. McNamara. First, I'm struck by her use of the phrase sex assigned at birth. Sex is not assigned at birth. Sex is established at conception and it's recognized at birth, if not earlier. Dr. McNamara claims that her views are science-based, but to claim that sex is assigned at birth is without any scientific basis whatsoever. Its language misleads people, especially children, into thinking that male and female are arbitrary designations and can change. That is simply not true. Dr. McNamara claims that social and medical interventions are the only evidence-based treatment and that scientific evidence shows it is life-saving. Without it, she's warning us, kids will commit suicide. Well, a growing number of countries have effectively banned the care to which she's referring. And thank God, there's been no wave of suicides or other mental health catastrophes. Three years ago, Finland placed strict limitations on medical interventions for minors. Sweden did the same thing after a 14-year-old girl was found to have osteoporosis and spinal fractures from puberty blockers. An investigation concluded, quote, The risks of anti-puberty and hormone treatment for those under 18 currently outweigh the possible benefits. The UK conducted a review and called the evidence very low. They've also placed severe restrictions on the care that Dr. McNamara calls life-saving. Norway also analyzed the data and has made similar changes in policy. The National Academy of Medicine in France warned, quote, Great medical caution must be taken in children and adolescents, given the vulnerability of this population and the many undesirable, even serious complications the therapies cause. Doctors in New Zealand and Australia have published similar statements. Is Dr. McNamara suggesting that all these countries are rejecting evidence-based treatment and placing their kids at risk of suicide? Regarding that point of view, Finland's gender expert, Dr. Rita Kaltiella, said, quote, It's purposeful disinformation, the spreading of which is irresponsible. All seven countries, and Florida too, of course, concluded that kids don't need their development interrupted, the girls don't need their periods stopped and their voices lowered, and the boys don't need to grow breasts. What they need is psychotherapy. I have other objections to Dr. McNamara's testimony. She insists that her position, only hers, represents standard medical care. What she doesn't want you to know is that there is no standard. There's a debate. There's a fierce debate. And on the side opposite her stand such prominent figures as Stephen Levine, Kenneth Zucker, Paul McHugh, and James Cantor, among others. These doctors are giants in the field. They have been treating transgender patients and gathering data and publishing papers about them. And I mean no disrespect here but since before Dr. McNamara was born. The point is that those veteran clinicians and others who have wisdom and experience are ignored because they disagree with the current narrative. They're against medical interventions for the same reason those seven countries are. There is no evidence of long-term benefit, but there is evidence of harm. I'll end by quoting Jamie Reed, the courageous whistleblower from the Children's Gender Clinic in St. Louis. I believe that that hospital receives the medical education funding that we're discussing today. She said that doctors at that clinic said, we are building the plane while we are flying it.
3: Wow. You know, uh, why are they lying to you? That's the question. And it's led by a guy like Joe Biden who said this. Listen to this quote. He was sitting there with Modi. Listen to this. I was just thinking, uh, uh, the, anyway, I started off without you. And I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things that were shared. I was just thinking... Uh, uh, the, so... Biden just got done saying in front of a group of 15 people at this table with Modi sitting next to him, I sold a lot of state secrets and a lot of very important things, mumbling incoherently. And this is what we have running the world right now. It's absolutely scary times that we're living in. Well, one other little factoid the liberals in play want to shut down coal-fired pizzas pizza joints in New York City can you believe that that's crazy Um, in any case I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Scott Adams show be sure to check out org. make a donation if you can because it helps us advance America first policies to make America great again also, use RedState over at MyPillow.com as your promo code. That'll help us as well. And with that, we'll see you next time on the radio. Deeper. Goodbye, everybody. Just to bury
6: my kids right up to there.